Yo fam, Coach Sam Strong Gents Coaching, where we help men get physically, mentally, and socioeconomically stronger in life. We run a men's coaching program that's done virtually online with access to a membership website. Um, that's where all our resources and lessons are recorded and at your disposal. It's a low barrier to entry program, meaning it's not going to break your bank and it doesn't take a lot of time. Um, we've had a lot of positive results. We've got the best coaches in the world. And if you're a man, 18 and older, looking to improve your physical, mental, and social career health, then send us an email at stronggenscoaching at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at stronggents underscore coaching and Facebook at stronggents-menscoaching. Today, I'm back with Coach Tom to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month. This month is all about mental health. This is the uh, declared month for its awareness. And Tom has been a mental health professional for 30 plus years now. Uh, he's the number one guy in the game. And we're going to break down some awesome information for you here today. So the man, the myth, the legend, Tom, Mr. Letson, how we doing? Sam, the man, my son, how you doing? It's good to see you. Good to talk to you and good to, um, to come on the podcast again and to talk about this very important um, month, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month. It's National Mental Health Awareness Month and how critical it is, you know, to be on top of that. And there's a lot that we can talk about. But first, I want to say I listened to your last podcast with your man, Sean. And I want to thank you both for the shout outs that you gave to me. It's much appreciated, um, you know, and uh, uh, watching you guys grow up and being able to coach you and, uh, and seeing you and your whole clan of friends still together. It really does a lot. It touches my heart. It's uh, one great thing that, that, that came, you know, from us living in Freehold was, um, you know, to you to meet your lifelong friends and to see you guys so tight together I tell you, it's such a wonderful feeling. But, you know, I would encourage anyone who's listening, you know, to go back and listen to that um, podcast that Sam had with Sean. It's such an impactful podcast of these young men, you know, as they're, you know, approaching the end of the end of their 20s and um, how different, OK, that they are. OK, and recognize recognize that difference from 10 years previous, you know, from 18, 19 year olds now to 27, 28 year olds and how they look at the world differently and and look at many things differently. And they both recognize that they are not the same person, you know, and um, that is so important. Uh, and to know that if you're a young guy that's listening, you know, to learn from these guys, because it may seem like you're all locked in at 18, 19 and 20, but you're just not. Uh, we have all been there before. You know, I kind of thought I, you know, uh, I didn't wear it on my sleeve, but I kind of thought when I was 18 or 19 that, OK, I'm kind of grown up now. You know what I mean? But my goodness, you are so far from being grown up, you know, um, but that's OK. We all go through that. You don't have to feel bad about that, but it was such a pleasure. It was so impactful, informational. I know I'll refer a number of my young clients to that podcast as time goes on, you know, to listen to, to, to Sean's, um, you know, thought, thought process, you know, as he navigated, you know, his way out of high school and into the, into the Marines and, um, you know, and how he just kept chopping, you know, like he just kept chopping, uh, even when he was confused there for a while, when he got out, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't stagnant, you know, he didn't get laid up for long, you know, um, uh, he's, he got back at it. And that's the point, you know, you got to keep at it, you got to keep chopping, you got to keep moving, even if you're not 100%, you know, knowing exactly what the outcome is going to be. It's like, you know what, I, I got to keep moving here, I got to keep striving, and something's going to happen. And look what happened to him. Look, 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 look at him. He's going back in the military. And, and uh, into a preferred branch, okay, uh, with the beach and uh, the water, and 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 now he's going to be looking at a nice retirement, you know. And in, in in thirteen or fourteen years, he had his education paid for. I mean, man, you know the decisions that this young man made, and he didn't think he was going to make all those decisions back when he was coming out of high school at eighteen, you know. And 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 look what happened, you know. So I would encourage everyone. It's a great podcast. You did a great job interviewing him and. He was a great guest and um, it was a real good episode. So that's how I want to start off today. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for um, doing the recap on that episode. Um, honestly, it sounded like an interview, but just asking one of my best friends of all time, some, some questions that, you know, I've asked him multiple times throughout our friendship, you know, he's the man um, I'm going to have all of my close friends on because they are all great men and uh, they all do different jobs in this world. They've all had different paths, but it's all important paths and they're all successful in their own ways. Um, and Sean was the first one to hop on and, you know, he lived a different life. He didn't live, you know, the normal. So, you know, so what we call normal cookie cutter, cookie cutter, the cookie cutter life. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't take that route. Just like I didn't take that route in a different way. Um, and just bred a good conversation and he wants to come on again and again and again. He loved it. And I loved it. And we just do, we're just lifelong bros, like just chopping it yeah. up. Tell, cool. you tell, I know the audio wasn't great. I got to get a better microphone, but, uh, you could tell just from us talking that we uh, we've been friends for. Yeah. Well, I can't. All I can tell you is that it, it gets better because, um, you know, um, when guys got married, you know, and had their kids and stuff, you're busy, you know, and it's hard to get together and stuff. But you never lose that bond. And now after my friends, um, all our kids are grown up, they're adults now. And, you know, and, and us spending more time together and, um, you know, and really being interested in each other's lives. And they're so, so important to me. Like I would do anything for them. And, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the best things in life, you know, is having these lifelong friendships with dudes, you know, they understand you. And if you need something, they'll be there no matter what. And if, if they need something, you'll be there no matter what, you know, if that's, you, that's something you can't put a price tag on, you know, and I, my, my heart goes out to people who haven't developed those type of relationships. It's never too late, you know, um, but um, but it's a it's a wonderful thing. So, yeah, great episode, man. I was I was touched and I was impressed. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, I feel bad for those people who don't develop those relationships either. For me, it's a little different. You know, my friends are my family like they are my family. I didn't grow up with family. I don't have big family or any family, really, for that matter. Um, that I truly know and connect with. Uh, so growing up, you know, these were my brothers. These were, you know, my family members. And that's how I still treat them to this day. I pick up the phone when they call. I make sure if they need something, I'm there. If I can do it, I will do it. And that's just the way it's going to be until the day I die, until the day I'm off this earth. And uh, no distance, no time can, you know, break that friendship that, you know, it could be, I couldn't see these dudes for 50 freaking years. I don't care. And then I see them the next day. It's like nothing ever happened. Um, that's just how I feel. Most people actually don't have those yeah. friendships. But yeah. just- I want to say something because this is so I, I read on Facebook. I'm not going to out the person, but female um, on Facebook. And, and this female wrote, you know, um, thank something like, thank goodness for girlfriends who understand when you have to take a friend break or some, something like that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that is so like, that is so outer space, you know, like dudes, I'm like, dudes do not do that. Like dudes don't say, Oh, listen, I need to, I need to take a friend break. You know what I mean? That's just like, that's like guys work either you're in or you're in the way. If you ain't a boy, you're gone. If you mess up and you spite one of us, and you do us dirty, you're gone. You're cut. There's none of that. There's none. It's just that's just how we are. There's none of that. Yeah. Um, I've had people who you know have uh, you know said nasty things, dubbed me wrong, cut, gone. Hold hold no hard feelings on them, but th- I won't be there for them. They ring my phone in the middle of the day, ten years later. Yeah, you know, I don't women, women kind of roll. Some women roll differently, you know. It's, women, women yeah, roll. I'll give you that. We mentioned it in the last podcast. Me and. Sh- <laughs> I'll never forget me and Sean, man. Uh, God, I love. We got into so many fights, me and him, because we're both stubborn. But uh, we were like 15, and we're sitting outside of Rita's Ices in in uh, Freehold, right in Main Street. And um, he wasn't. He was looking dead in my eye, but he wasn't actually talking to me. And he started cursing, saying like, you know, you're a, you're a soft, you're this, you're that, and all this stuff. And he's looking at me but he wasn't actually talking to me and he was just looking my way. Cause I was walking back with my ice cream. So he, I caught his attention while he was saying all this stuff. And I was like, yo, if you got all that to say, you can stand up. And he stood up and we just started brawling in the middle of Rita's. And uh, we ended up rolling into the middle of the street. We're like 15, 16 years old, right? Perfect. Uh, I punch him. He elbowed me in the face. We're bleeding. And then we get up. 
And this is what best friends do. We hugged. I kissed him right on the face. And I was like, I love you, bro. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then two minutes later, the cops show up, right? And an ambulance shows up. And we thought somebody called the cops on us. And it turns out some old lady fell behind Rita's and broke her leg while this all went down. So it's just talking about memories, man. It's just so crazy. But, you know, that was... That really wasn't that long ago in the scheme of things. Either. It, it was okay. So maybe not physically, but mentally, that was a long time ago. So yeah, like, clearly changed. You know, young men. I remember being a young man. Like you know, you got this. You got this chip on your shoulder. You know, you want to fight everybody. You're angry. You're like mad. Like at least me and my friends, we you know we were rough, tumble, playing football, we competitive basketball, pushing each other around. You know, and you carry that. And most men end up carrying that way, 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 way too long in life. You know, I carried that until I was like 21. And then, um, you know, just some life circumstances change you. They make you realize things aren't important. They make you realize that 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 anger, that big ego does more damage to you than anybody else. Although you're trying to like improve, press people, that that anger, man, that that like really, you know, frustration just hurts you more than anybody well, else. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, we're going to talk about mental health a little bit, mental health awareness month. But since you're on the topic with anger, you know, and anybody that's listening, you know, a real, you know, people are like, what are you so angry about? Like a kid, it's really common. You know, if they, they're an angry kid, you know, um, there's something called displacement. Right. You know, uh, and and usually, you know, um, you know, the kid is acting out about something else and the anger is displaced. Okay, um, on to something else, you know, and it's kind of like trying to help the person find that, you know, what what is that that, you know, what is that issue that uh, is getting you so angry that, you know, um, that you're displacing it onto your everyday life, onto other people or whoever it is, right? Your friends, your teachers, whoever it is, cops, whoever it is, you know, so now this kind of segues nice into mental health awareness month. And that'd be great. You know, if people were kind of open to having those discussions, but unfortunately, you know, there's this, there's this misconception out there. It's just part of our culture and, and part of mental health awareness month is, is supposed to break down the stigma. Okay. That people feel in going to talk to a therapist or counselor, this stigma that you're, you're crazy. You're not crazy. You know, you're normal. You're you're having normal emotions, you know. So, you know, automatically when people think about mental health awareness, they think about very severe mental illness. okay, and get stigmatized with that, you know, like schizophrenia or very severe bipolar disorder, you know, or very severe depression, you know, where you can like look at a person and kind of just, wow, this person is like so depressed. And uh, they don't want to be associated, you know, with these more severe forms of mental illness. So they just think that all counseling therapy, mental health talk is about that. That is absolutely not true. So, you know, you have to break down this stigma. First thing, like, you know, uh, as you guys, as you know, I work in high school for a long time. And if I talk to a a young guy in high school and, um, you know, he's having an issue or whatever, I'm like, okay, you know, um, you know, what do you think about talking to a counselor? I don't want to do that. Why? Because I'm not crazy. Well, who said you were? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and and um, I mean, a lot of, it, it doesn't, you're right. So like, how do you figure out problems, right? By thinking critically about them and, and talking about them and getting different angles so you can figure out the right path, right? But sometimes the worst people to ask for help are the people closest to you. Sometimes they are not the people that can give you the right advice or advice that will actually help you out. Sometimes people closest to you are even spiteful for you because they don't want you to change. I see this a lot in personal training when one spouse comes in because they want to lose weight and the other spouse will start bringing cookies home or saying, you know, oh, well, you, you, now you spend so much time at the gym. You don't spend time with me. And because they don't want to change, they don't want the spouse to change. And, and so like the people closest to you can be detrimental to you. So a lot of people don't go talk to somebody because of that stigma when in reality it's like you can't talk to sometimes talk to the people closest to you sometimes you don't feel comfortable talking to your friends because you don't want them to spill that information so what's the next best thing right a guidance counselor a mental health therapist someone who it, can be there it is and it's it's just that misconception that you know that that you're crazy or that you're weak that you can't solve your own problems and you know the thing is is that you know, I, I try to help young people understand that, you know, everybody 
is influenced by people in our lives, right? Whether that is, you know, um, a therapist or an older friend or a teacher or a coach or some type of mentor, you know, and we, we, we gain from those people. So, you know, a counselor or a therapist, you know, as you mentioned, the friend is a really good example, you know, so why does it, you know, not that someone shouldn't talk to their friends or people close to them about some issues like that's fine. You know what I mean? But you always have to remember that it's different. They're there to support you, but the advice part is going to be hard, you know, because it's hard for them to be objective. They're going to be more subjective. And the reason is, is because they're in it with you. They know you. Okay. Um, now a therapist, okay, is going to be objective and it's going to help you objectively. You know why? Because a therapist is not invested emotionally with you. Therapist doesn't know you. Okay. So why would a therapist you know, give you anything other than a really great objective assessment of what he or she kind of is seeing, you know? So I'll give you an analogy. So talking to a friend about a problem, and again, it's great to talk to your friends about problems, right? But if you're really suffering about something, you might need to see a professional and you're like, yeah, well, I talked to my friend about my drug addiction, let's just say, all right? And it's like, okay, well, that's like in a baseball game, that's like you being the picture, the pitcher, and your, your manager being the umpire, okay? Your, your own manager is going to call balls and strikes that you're throwing, okay? Now, now maybe once in a while, he's going to call balls and strikes, but he's going to get, he's, he's, it's not going to be right, you know? It's going to be off. So that's why the umpire, okay, like the therapist has to be an objective person, has, can't be connected to both teams, has to be a, a distinct entity. So can be, make an objective assessment of the pitches. So, I mean, you know, like there's nothing like it. Like when people can get over that hurdle and a lot of people say this, Sam, right? I don't want to, I don't like talking to a stranger about my problems. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, listen, you know, um, if, if you have a physical problem, right. Is the doctor a stranger, you know? Yeah. But also what's funny is like, People will, people will say that, but you get a couple beers in them at the bar and they're talking to the guy next to them like they've known them the whole life. You right, know? That's it's, true. it's just this, it's, it's, this, true. You know, it's, this, it's this defense uh, mechanism people put up. But the way I see talk therapy is, because there's different forms of therapy, right? So, but most people will go for, for talk therapy um, and, um, you know, the cognitive behavioral side of things, because that's been shown to actually have premise and change people's thought patterns and therefore their life. All the other forms of psychotherapy haven't really have any, like, big premise behind them as much as, you know, the C, the CBT. So the talk therapy, right. But so I'll give you an example for me. I'm not, I need to write things out on a whiteboard or something or a thousand post-it notes or sheets of yellow paper everywhere. Right. So for example, I wrote a book, right. Like things like over, it's over 200 pages long. And when I was writing that book, I, my room was a mess. Like my, my mind was a mess trying to get my thoughts together, but that's what talk therapy is. It's literally brainstorming your life. You're talking and you're getting these things out of your brain and someone is slapping them left and right or holding it in front of you, whether it's valuable information or it's irrational, non-valuable information, because you don't necessarily have the capacity to do that yourself with a thousand different thoughts coming your way and with the bias to yourself, trying to tell yourself that you're right or this is it, this is that. So having that person there to spitball with you to make sure those thoughts aren't going way off in left field or to tell you when you're being stupid or to tell you when you're dead on something and saying, yeah, your hunch is right. This is right. Let's try this. Extremely valuable. And you can't do that with a family member most of the time, maybe if it's a special relationship. And you can't necessarily always do that with a friend because like we said before, you said that friend's kind of in that journey with you. They don't want to necessarily tear your life down. But also it's a trust thing where you might trust that person with everything, but there's always that slim chance that they tell their wife who's friends with your wife. And now your wife gets the information. I've had, I've had clients like that, that um, have great friends, but they're like, you know, this is so sensitive that I just don't want to tell anybody other than you, you know, and I've had that before. And Hey, I understand that decision. You know, um, I totally understand that decision. Yeah, I understand it. Some, sometimes it's better when the people close to you don't know your darkest thoughts or your or what or what's going on in your head um, at a certain time. Sometimes it's best like that. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the situation is different. But sometimes your life at home could be so chaotic, at least in my experience growing up, so chaotic, that like if you went and tried to talk to those people in that chaos, it might there might be a nuclear 
bomb that goes off. So trying to sort your own stuff out, I always say the best way to live a better life is to improve yourself. I tell all my personal training clients like that. If you get physically and mentally healthier, you can support the people around you better because you're a better person. And if that means that you go, you need to talk, you need to get these ideas out. Talk therapy is the way to go. Find yourself a counselor. Don't be ashamed of it. Yeah, you know, you don't, and you don't need to have, you know, I, I suggest that everybody talk to a counselor at some point in their life, you know, just because just to, just to talk and just, just to see how, how you're doing and, um, and talk about your growing up, your childhood, uh, your, your present relationships, your job, stuff like that. You know, you don't necessarily have to have a problem, okay, to, to go and talk to a counselor. And a lot of people just find it so enlightening, you know, and, and they just see things different that they hadn't, they just didn't see them the way that they used to, you know. But, but mo most counselors, most people in counseling, I think this is important to put out there. Most people that seek out mental health or therapy are, are not the most severe forms of mental illness, okay? You know, um, just because you go talk to a counselor, as I said, doesn't mean you're mentally ill. So maybe you're having a mental health issue, okay? We have mental health issues. It doesn't mean that you have a diagnosable mental health illness. You know, so the bulk of people that go for talk therapy are people who don't suffer from those severe, you know, mental illnesses. They're, 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 they're struggling with the day-to-day -day issues. Um, there's several types of therapy too. There's brief therapy for, you know, if something terrible happens in a person's life, you know, immediately and they're in a crisis, then there's, there's, there's brief therapy. It doesn't last for that long. And it, it helps to stabilize the situation, stabilize the person. And, and then there's therapy that may last a little bit longer. If a person is looking at a, a, a you know, a, wants to make a change in their life and they're not sure and they're confused, maybe a little anxious, depressed about it, could be a big change, job change, could be marriage, could be divorce, could be having a kid, you know, um, a lot of things. And, you know, and uh, or, you know, uh, their haunt, you know, their childhood keeps coming up, you know, maybe their parents were abusive or whatever the case is, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, so there's a lot of different reasons why people, you know, come in to counseling or therapy, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, like I said, I'm gonna. Say, I can't say it enough. Mental Health Awareness Month is to decrease the stigma that's attached to it, you know. So people, you know, will more likely seek out, you know, the, the advice and support of a of a therapist if they're in pain, you know. Um, and uh, I'll give you a I'll give you a quick example where I had a client, uh, one of the most successful dudes I've ever trained or known, right? And he went to see a therapist, right? And I, and he was open about it. You know, people people are very open with their, with their trainers. It's probably, there's probably a lot more said than, than should be Hair, said. They're hairdressers too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hairdressers here a lot too. Any barbers and stuff like that too, bartenders. But, um, you know, he was open about him going to see a therapist and I'd be like, you know, why, you know, I asked him, I was like, why do you see a therapist? I was just curious. And he was like, cause my life is so hectic. He said, I wouldn't sit down and think about what needs to get done in my life. If I didn't have a scheduled time. That was his reason for going. He was like, I get to go on a scheduled time. That means no one, I'm not answering any calls or texts. It's my hour. He was like, and someone's there to kind of just talk with, you know, help me along the way. How cool is that? One of the most yeah. successful guys I know, right? Yeah. I had like three kids, I think three kids. I could be wrong on that. Uh, you know, good business, whatever the case may be. Nice guy. Um, wasn't so you know and and what you mentioned before man it's confidential there's no leaks there's no leaks like oh, leaks. you can you can be so honest about struggles that you're having with your spouse your girlfriend or your boyfriend and and that's there's no leaks you know and you can feel so confident about that i just want to say this to someone you know this is what i've been feeling and it might sound it might not it might sound crazy but this is how i'm feeling you know that whatever. I think my wife's cheating on me or I think my husband's cheating on me or whatever, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, it's, uh, that part of it is, is undervalued a lot of times by people who are thinking about therapy or counseling. And, you know, before we hit the record button, we were talking about, um, the problem with athletes and suicide at this you know point in time. And, um, you know, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about before when people have that bravado about them, especially athletes, man. I mean, they are, they got pressure on them. Um, they are in a high tense situation most of the time. Um, and they feel like they need to be strong all the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, they yeah. miss out on, on the human emotion sometimes because they, you know, they have to keep that, like I said, bravado up. So let's talk about that for a second. And, um, because it really, yeah. 
it relates a lot to men, especially younger men, because we always kind of keep all play. Most of us played sports. We keep that competitive attitude, you know, that like, you know, uh, mouthpiece in, head down and just go. So just talk about that because it relates not just to athletes, but to every man. Well, no, it, relate, it relates to what we're doing with strong gents. And, you know, that, um, you know, we it's funny, you know, like, you know, there's reality of how people see us and view us. And then there's our perception of how people see us and view us. And those th two things many times are completely different. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, and that's why talking to someone can be so helpful to kind of bring your perceptions, you know, more in line with reality if your perceptions kind of distorted. So this is what happens with athletes a lot of times, and not just with athletes, but we'll use them as an example. Many times in life we use, you know, we have these different masks that we wear, these psychological masks, okay, that, that we put in front of us because, you know, and this is what we present to the world, all right? And we don't really present the real us, we present this to the world because we feel like this is the better part of us or this is, I'll be more liked or, you know, or whatever the case is, I'll be more respected, whatever it is. So, you know, what happens with athletes, unfortunately, is that, Many of them start so young and their whole life, okay? And again, all this is done unintentional, right? You know, their parents, you know, from little age, some five, maybe, you know, they're, maybe they're a really good athlete and they find a sport and it's all about the sport and it's all about competing. And it's all every weekend, you're going away to these tournaments, you're going to practice, you have trainers, you know, you go from one level to the next, you know, to recreation to travel, then to high school, successful, and maybe college, you got a scholarship, okay? But those so many years of pressure, now there's so much pressure to compete, to keep your academics up, pressure socially, okay? And now there's more people taking part. So now you, if you're a kid in college and you're like, wow, this is too much, like, I don't know if I can handle this, but how can I let my, you know, how can I tell people I don't want to do this anymore? You know, I'm hiding behind this athlete mask. You know what I mean? Like I'm the athlete, I'm the competitive athlete. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't be me. I got to be a competitive athlete and I got to take care of everyone because mom and dad are, they're expecting to come down and see me at the game. You know, if I tell them that I want to quit, they're going to flip. Like what, after all these years, after all this money we paid, you know what I mean? I'm going to let people down if I quit. So the thing is, is that what most of these young people don't understand is that that their perception, maybe it might be a little true in some respects, but it's going to be off. Like people are going to be, listen, if you, if you, if you, if you don't like it that much, if you're under that much stress, then maybe it's time to give it up. Maybe it's time to give it up, you know, but unfortunately, you know, you know, some of these high profile athletes feel like they're in the pressure cooker and they, and there's no out and they commit suicide. They can't deal with it anymore. They can't deal with that bind of, I don't want to do this anymore, but I can't tell people about that. What do I do? So me and Sean spoke briefly about this on the previous podcast we put out before and just going through a hard time. Um, at the time, it feels like the most intense thing in the world because you've never experienced it before. Yeah. And some people end it because of the intensity of that moment in life. But if they could battle through it, possibly by talking to a mental health counselor or just addressing the situation at hand and get on the other side of it, they will realize that it wasn't as big of a deal as it was made to be in the moment. Because a lot of times when things hit us, right? For example, if there's a car really far away from you down the street, it looks pretty small, right? It looks pretty small. It's not really in your, in your vicinity, right? If that thing is in front of your face, you can't see anything around it. That car is now your reality. It feels like it's going to kill you. It's going to run you over. Okay. Yep. That's, that's what problems are in life. If it's really far, it's like, an, it's kind of like an addiction, right? Like a nicotine addiction, right? You do it a couple of times, cars really far away. You don't really see it, right? You keep doing it, keep doing it, piles on, piles on. All of a sudden it's smack in your face. You can't see anything else. Right. So, and the problem is, is the change is the problem because you can't see anything. It feels like it's swallowing you because it's your entire reality and people get stuck in that. And I've had people closest to me who have people I've known um, because they were entrapped and engulfed in that reality, which wasn't a reality. It was just their perception, like you just said, of themselves right. in the world. They just couldn't see the bigger picture because no one was there to point it out for them. And that's why it's important to talk to somebody. 
It's absolutely important. And I'm going to share a personal story here, you know, just as an example about a mask, you know, and, you know, um, and I had such a, a poor self-esteem. I had no self-esteem as I was growing up. I had none. And so when I got, you know, I was a pretty good athlete, but I didn't figure that out until later on because my father really wasn't um, into that. He was athletic, but he wasn't into sports. So, you know, when your dad's not into sports, you get delayed. Even if you're a good athlete, you know, maybe not so much today, but back then when, you know, you really didn't have, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. So, um, but I found out I was a decent athlete and, you know, a big part of my life was making the high school football team and becoming a starter. Like that was a dream of mine to become a starter. And then I would be somebody, right? Because I didn't think I was anybody. So that's dangerous thinking. Okay. Um, you know, but that's how it was. And you know what? I rode that wave and, you know, I became a starter in my junior year and that beyond my wildest dreams, I ever think I could do that, you know, and, uh, you know, and I was a role player, but, you know, I would make a, a pretty good play from time to time and every, and people knew me obviously. And then, then the next year, my wildest dreams, we won the state championship. We were 11 and 0 and I was a starting quarter cornerback and had a really good year. And again, I was a role player, but I made some really big plays in the course of that season. And a couple of them helped us stay 11 and 0. Um, and, um, you know, and I was a football player, you know, I was Tom, the football player it wasn't Tom, it was Tom, the football player. I liked that mask. I liked how it felt. That's how I presented myself to the world. Now, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college. And I didn't think I was going to try to play football. But then one of my coaches said, why not? So I, I went to Montclair State and I tried out and, you know, everybody's great at college. Everyone's great at college. Everyone's played on a state championship team. And you don't really know how small or or, or like, I thought I was pretty fast, you know, um, and I am fast, but you know, there's a lot of fast dudes, you know, when you get to college and, um, you know, um, I got cut, I got cut. I didn't think I was going to get cut. And so I didn't make the cut and it devastated me, you know, and, um, it, it just ripped that mask right away from off my face. And I was naked. I was vulnerable. Uh, I didn't like, I didn't like myself without that mask. I got, I got re really depressed. Um, you know, um, it was bad. Um, I even went back two or two times to check the list out to make sure I didn't miss my name on that list. That's how much I was in denial, you know. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's just such a terrible feeling. And so, but I just want to say, you know, what did I do now? The thing is, is that I, I got really depressed, but I started thinking, you know, I'm like, um, I didn't have any thoughts of suicide. I can't remember anything like that, but I was desperate. Okay. But I don't remember any thoughts of suicide, but I was depressed and I was desperate and I was desperate to, to try to save face. Right. And so, you know, I'm really good in those situations. You know, my mind goes a mile a minute and I, you know, I don't leave any stone unturned. And I remembered that I received a letter from Glassboro state college from the football coach, you know, and it was just a mailer, you know, but I thought that, you know, maybe they wanted me and I missed the boat. Right. So I liked where I was at Montclair State. I liked the guys I met and I really liked Montclair, but I made the decision, OK, to transfer. OK, just because of that situation to transfer to Glassboro State College, which is now Rowan. OK, just because of these demons that I had, you know, in that mask being ripped off um, and I was hiding behind that psychological mask. So once I made that decision to do it, I felt more comfortable. I told people I was going to play football and I went down there and I did play. OK, I played on the JV team and and, um, you know, but I hated Glassboro. I hated it. it sucked. Um, you know, uh, it was depressing down there. The campus sucked. It didn't compare compare to Montclair. And I made a decision, you know, people laugh about this now, but. I only, I stayed down there for one year. I played on a football team and I said, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go back to Montclair. And I, I transferred back and all my friends are really happy to see me. And, you know, and I got it out of my system. I wasn't cured. You know, I really didn't know about what the mask was, but I tell you what, I had an experience with my friend, Danny, Danny, Danny McLaughlin, my man, Dan from high school. We went to Montclair together. He was a football player and he, we played on the, the, on our high school team and we played on the same side. He was a linebacker. I was a defensive back and we were really good buds. And so I came back and Danny was still playing. It was his junior year at Montclair. And, um, you know, I was setting myself like, you know what, I'm going to go to the games. I'm going to cheer the guys on and I'm going to be good. So I go to an early dinner one night, you know, the, it opened up the opened up at four 30, the cafeteria. And all of a sudden I sit down and all of a sudden Dan, who's supposed to be a practice, sits down right next to me, you know, in street clothes. And I'm like, Dan, like, what are you doing? Like, aren't you supposed to be a practice? 
And just like this, he just goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, he's like eating, you know, Dan's like, yeah, I quit. I'm like, my jaw hit the freaking ground. You know, I'm like, Dan, what? You're kidding. No. He goes, no, Tom, I quit. I'm like, you quit. Why could you quit, Dan? Like, this is what you do. He goes, he goes, no, man. He goes, I go, how come? What happened? He goes, listen, I bust my ass. And he does, you know, and uh, I bust my ass and they put this kid ahead of me who I know they're going to start, who, who is lazy. And, you know, I'm not going to stand on the sidelines for another year. Okay. And waste my time. And I go, just like that, Dan. He goes, just like that. I go, what are you going to do? He goes, I'll hang out with you. He goes, we'll work out. He goes, we'll have fun. And I tell that story to people and I use it at trainings. And you know why, you know, Dan thought about that situation, but, but you know why Dan was okay with it? Because Dan didn't define himself as a football player. Okay. Dan didn't have a mask of a football player on. Dan was fine with Dan. Okay. And uh, I learned something that day, although I had a lot to learn, you know, um, I had a long journey, you know, to my own mental health and, and coming to understand self-esteem, accepting myself and things like that. But that was a great start. And my man, I always bring it up to him, man. All right, we're back. We got cut off because of Zoom. Okay. I'll have to put these two recordings together. But Tom was just finishing up his story about Danny. That's right. My man, Dan. And, um, you know, and uh, about masks, you know, about the masks we wear. And, and that that's just a really good example, you know, of how desperate someone can become. You know, uh, I was desperate, like I said. Um, you know, and I wasn't aware, you know, of this psychological mask that I was wearing. And that's why it's good to talk to a counselor. You know, gosh, I just wish that I, counseling wasn't as common back then when I was young. But boy, I really could have used to talk to a counselor, maybe to help me see things a little bit different. Because, you know, you know, the mask, you know, people liked me. You know what I mean? People liked me. I was a good guy. You know, I didn't need to be a football player or anything else. My friends loved me. They liked me. I you know, it was me. I had a problem with me. They didn't have a problem with me. I had a problem with me. It's hard. You know, it's hard, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I had growing up. I mean, um, yeah, I'll give you, I had a rough couple masks ripped off at the same goddamn time. Right. So um, I'm 19 years old and I start having some problems with my body. Right. My body starts um, start having some pain. My shoulders are dislocating. Things aren't working right. And when I was 17 years old, I made the decision not to go to college. I was like, I'm going to become a personal trainer. And I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to make a crazy ton of money doing what I love to do, working out. And I was a very good athlete growing up. I gained a lot of weight after graduating high school. I got all the way up to 175 pounds, which is really big for my frame. I mean, our, my family is small. I was stacked, very strong. I had goals of breaking the national powerlifting records at that time. Um, and I had a bunch of masks, right? So I was a big, strong, jacked personal trainer. That's one mask. I was a business owner at the time for America's Muscle Professionals. That was my first trademark. I was running that business out of a park parking lot with used equipment. I was there seven days a week. I was there all day long for a year and a half. Um, that mask was ripped off. I was a boyfriend to a girlfriend of five years. Um, and we had conversations, you know, spending our life together and that didn't work out. So that was another mask. Um, I had a lot of masks that I was holding on to and that I thought was created, creating myself in my life. And then I had all these physical problems and fast forward a few years down the line, I lose the girlfriend. I lost 40 pounds. I lost my business. I lost my identity as a personal trainer. And this all happened with the rip of a Band-Aid. I mean, we're talking in two and a half a year span. You got, I had the best doctors in the world, best in quotations, because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, um, telling me, you know, like, yeah, just don't work out, go back to school, choose a different career path, blah, 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 blah. And I was torn down, man. I mean, talking about, talk about anxious, like talk about depressed, talk about suicidal, talk about not knowing anything about yourself, your life. What is life about? Why is this happening to me? Um, yeah. this, this, was, this was a real tragedy I was going through, real tragedy. And I made it through. I made it through that shit. I made it through the trenches. Um, and every, you know, when people ask me how, you know, I, I had a feeling inside of myself that my life was, was, uh, important to be lived. 
right? I wasn't ready to go. I was living this for a reason. And I think that mindset came from the fact that I read hundreds of books and a lot of old books written by psychotherapists. Sheldon B. Cop is one of the best ones that I've read. All of his writings are in my brain and in my heart, and they helped me get through that time. So did I necessarily go see a psychotherapist and hop on medication? No, but I had therapy from people who were dead and gone, who left their teachings in a book, and that worked for me. But what might work for other people is going to see a therapist. But those masks being ripped off of my body in the moment were so intense, I did not want to live anymore. But it gave me the ability to actually build who I am now. I was able to create the life I want to live now by letting go of those masks. And that is the hardest part is letting go. Yeah. I mean, you know, and as you said, at the moment, just like the analogy you made with the car who's right in front of you, you really can't see anything. You know, uh, it's important. I want to say it for this podcast. You know, if you're a friend to someone and you think that they're troubled, that they're in crisis, then, you know, be there for them. You know, don't be scared to ask the tough questions. Are you okay? Are you sure? You know, I, I think something's wrong. Do you think you are you having feelings you might hurt yourself? You know, even if they get upset at you for asking that, like tell them, you know, and there's resources out there. There's resources that, you know, you don't, you know, there's resources at your fingertips. You know, there's the crisis text line, you know, where you, you know, where you uh, text the word home, H-O-M-E to 741741. And you get a, you can text with a 24-7-365 with a, with a counselor, you know, if you're in crisis, you know, in the National Suicide Helpline. By the way, I'm glad we're bringing that up because oh, we all know 911 is an emergency, right? It's ingrained in your head since you were little, Sam, when you were little, I remember just teaching 911, you know? Um, well, the National Suicide Helpline, this took a lot, but it's one hit under number. It's been around for a long time. And again, it's a 24-7-365 um, resource. July 1st, and hopefully all states are going to buy into it. Um, you know, um, the National Suicide Helpline is going to a three-digit number. This is big news, big news, 988. So if you or someone you know is in a suicidal crisis, that's all you have to remember is 988. That's it. This is a wonderful thing. I can't tell you, okay, how wonderful this is. And this is going to save lives. You know, because just getting to talk to someone, okay, getting on that phone can save someone's life. So I wanted to get that that good information out there, okay, about friends helping friends and in don't take them seriously. No one jokes about this, okay? Take them seriously and stay with them until you'll feel they're safe. Go to their house at two o'clock in the morning if you think to, if if you think that they're in trouble. You know, I've had that before. I've had I've had students do that. I've had clients do that. Family members, you know, they go there, you know. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we're talking about this topic. And I want to segue into, as time is, is, is ticking on here at night, uh, I want to talk about, uh, because I'm passionate about this, the connection between physical and mental health. And, um, you know, and I'm a firm believer, you know, in taking care of both of those parts of us and, you know, and, you know, how do you take care of your mental health is being aware that you need to being aware that you have mental health, that we have feelings of anxiety and depression, and we can get angry and be impulsive at times, you know, and maybe get distracted. Okay. We have feelings, emotions, we can get sad and real happy and, and just being aware that our emotions can affect our life. And that's why it's important to be in, you know, to be aware of, okay, your mental health and that you're always not going to be okay. Your mental health, just like your physical health is not always going to be on point. Okay. Now, having said that, I can't tell you how much the physical, okay, helps the mental. One of the biggest things in my life, and Sam, obviously being my son, knows this, you know, there only have been very brief periods in my life after the age of 20 that have not been in top physical condition, you know, basically because of injury or because of very packed schedule. And they were very brief. Um, you know, I know that in, I went through some very difficult times in my life as an adult man. And my routine, my physical health was something that I fell back on. Okay, during those times, okay, when the mental part of my life was going 
through such strain and stress. And um, it's wonderful. Like it's, it's such a foundation, you know, being physically fit, nutritionally sound is such a great foundation for your mental health because, okay, if you do get depressed or anxious about things, and we all do, if you're in better physical and nutritional health, it will not be as bad. Will it suck? Yeah, it'll still suck, but it won't be as bad. So you will actually, your depression, your anxiety, your emotions will not be as bad if you are in top physical condition. It's true, you know, and um, it's a great foundation. And I am a firm believer, okay, in that, you know, um, I, I just couldn't be mentally strong in this life if I wasn't physically strong in this life. I just couldn't be. Well, it is true, and um, science backs it up. Um, many studies show that the correlation between physical health and mental health is astronomical. Um, the Actually, the studies done on, it's just so interesting, the studies done on uh, steady-state cardiovascular activity, so like jogging, high-paced walking, cycling, swimming, um, and their same effect on depression as um, depression medication is just staggering. The, the effects are even better at some times. Um, so... Uh, it's scientifically proven to improve brain um, function in terms of mental health. But I've been a trainer for a decade now, which is a long time for someone who is my age, considering I am only 27 years old. That means I've been doing this since 17. I studied for a certification every single year for the first seven years. That means I have seven certifications. That's basically a doctorate, my fam. You go to school for eight years to get a doctorate. I went to school for eight years for fitness. Um, And now I'm taking classes to get a degree as well. So I'm very, uh, I pride myself on being pretty damn knowledgeable about this stuff. Um, and I've trained thousands of people. I've worked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, no, thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours doing this stuff. And the all around healthiest people physically and mentally who are way older than 70 years old, um, or 70 and above, I should say, focus on a very small amount of things that have big impact. And I call it majoring in the majors. People tend to major in the minors. Why would you do that? Why would you waste your time doing that when all the benefit comes from the major things? So there has, I have narrowed it down and I would, I'll take anybody's challenge on this one, but there are only, and I will repeat only seven things in this life you need to focus on if you want to get physically and mentally healthier. And they all start with the letter W. It is the seven W's of health. And I'm going to go through them really quick, and then you can butt in and give your chime if you Love want, it. and you can back them up or give me a rebuttal, be the devil's advocate. But number one for mental health especially is work. You got to have something to do in this life. Now, a lot of people will battle me and say that work can also cause excess stress, and that may be true, but I am a true firm believer that lack of work causes more problems for people mentally than too much work. We got to have a purpose. You got to do something. So W number one is work. If you don't have work, you got to find a job. You need consistent work. Number two is walking or some form of moving in that capacity. So for you, coach, that's running. You love running. I Um, do it all now though. But for, for most people, a brisk walk at least five days a week for 20 minutes. If that means you're taking phone calls, pacing back and forth in your office for 20 minutes a day, that's a high paced walk. I don't care what it is, but the effects on your mind and body from some form of cardiovascular activity, if your heart rate is elevated slightly is drastic. It's absolutely drastic. The neurotransmitters you release, the serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins, just from walking. Not only that, but you're keeping your arteries clear. You're pumping your blood. You're uh, you're pumping your blood. You're getting your heart pumping. Your lungs functioning. Going for a walk and increasing that over time in the intensity and improving your cardiovascular fitness is going to be one of the most important ways that you can battle hard mental health times and keep yourself in an elevated mood. Absolutely. Number three, lift some goddamn weights, my people. All right. You need to be weight training. Okay. Not only does this have a boost on your physical health, it increases muscle mass and bone density and increases neuromuscular strength. That means your nervous system. So balance coordination, coordination through life. Um, But it also boosts confidence, baby. And confidence is directly related to mental health. If you don't feel confident, you're not going to feel mentally confident. If you don't feel mentally confident, your chances of attacking and overcoming obstacles are going to be lower. So weight training boosts confidence that transfers over into the mental health realm as well. You look bigger, you know you're stronger, 
it's one of the greatest ways to change the perception of yourself physically in this life. Would you agree with that one too? Absolutely. Okay. Number four, watch what you put in your goddamn mouth. You're not a child anymore. You're an adult. It's time to fuel your body with what it needs. We're not eating. Eat this, not that. Eat swap tactic, baby. Eat this, not that. It's very simple, but you're an adult. You got to watch what you eat. Watch what you put in your damn mouth, okay? Be responsible with yourself. Have some discipline, man. Anywhere in the world that you go, you can ask even people who are in the most remote places possible. You show them a burger and fries or you show them a chicken breast and broccoli. They're going to know what is the healthier option. Now, does this mean you have to be healthy all the time? Eat healthy all the time? No, but 70-30. 70% of the time, do the best you can. 30% of the time, you get granted, you can fall off the wagon. But you need to start being responsible. Stop being a baby. I don't like this. I don't like that. No, flavor it the way you like. Learn how to cook so you can cook to your own tastes, your own preferences. But you need to start eating healthier foods. Stop being dependent on people and restaurants and fast food places to give you energy because it's the wrong energy. Keep some money in your pocket, too. Stop spending so much money. Number five is going to be drink more water, okay? Again, we're not kids. Give up the soda. Stop drinking sugary sports drinks. Stop drinking apple juices. It took me a long time to understand that one. It's a huge thing, especially for someone who struggles with weight gain and weight loss. If you if you are gaining weight or you cannot lose weight you are and you're drinking sodas and iced teas and milks and Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts lattes, we start there because that's easily a few thousand calories a week that you're consuming just by liquids. You don't yeah. need that stuff. We're talking diabetes. We're talking hypertension. We're talking things that really cause problems. Drinking your calories is no good, man. And that includes alcohol too, okay? That's right. It includes alcohol too. Alcohol is calories. Some people don't think it has calories, but it does. And alcohol also affects your body and mind in different ways, but we'll use that for another podcast. I always like the, the analogy you used with water, you know, like, uh, it's just like a car needs gas for fuel. Your body needs water for fuel, you know? And we use, use that analogy. I was like, yeah, I, I can see that, you know, or oil, however you want to use it. Like, yeah, you know, we, I, we always, need it. I always say motion is lotion and movement is motion for the body. So we keep our joints and muscles grooving, but water is also the, the liquid that keeps the WD 40 that keeps the things inside our body moving properly. So, you know, you get water from other things, but you also get a bunch of crap too. If you're drinking a lot of sodas and a lot of lattes with sugar syrups in there and they boost your blood sugar and all that, that stuff's okay every once in a while. But if you're down at three Cokes a day, we got to work on some stuff. Now in the beginning, you can swap. To, yeah, good. In the beginning, you can swap to diets. You know, I, Every once in a while, you know, everybody will claim um, artificial sweeteners give you cancer. There's no research out there to show you that. And it can be used as an intervention in the beginning, especially if you're someone who drinks a lot of sodas or a lot of juices. You can go from Gatorade to Gatorade Zero. You can go from regular Coke to Coke Zero. You can go from iced tea to diet iced tea, so on and so forth. That has a lot more water in it, but the water is going to keep you hydrated, keep you functioning properly, and um, keep you sharp, okay? We're going to go to number Six, which is probably the most important out of all these so far um, in terms of just overall physical health and then physical health translating into the mental health as well. And that is wake up and wind down at the same, relatively the same time every day and every night. How How important is that? Keeping your your sleep wake schedule and your body rhythm in tune is so important to to your mood and, and to your energy levels. Um, it, it's just critical, critical. Absolutely critical. Um, and if you're someone who struggles with that, a few things that you can do is you can take a magnesium supplement at night. Magnesium helps relax you, calm you, go to sleep. Um, you can mess around with melatonin, although I wouldn't take a high dose because then you have trouble f- releasing it yourself and that could be a tricky slope. Um, but there's other ways to do it as well. Some people swear by CBD. I'm not- yes. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry, CBD. That's funny. I was going to say CBT. So CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and sleep improving sleep is really big. And and I was just people research that, read an article about it, um, because cognitive behavioral therapy actually really does help you with uh, to to try to learn that sleep behavior. Okay, it's really good. But not even just the sleep behavior. It also works because you you get out the thoughts that you're ruminating in your mind 24 seven all day long, you know, any period of time in my life that I've had trouble sleeping. It's not because 
of any other reason than the fact that my mind will not shut off because I am thinking way too many things at one time. So cognitive behavior therapy can help you there. Also, you want to be in a pitch black room, shut all your lights off, stop looking at the phone 30 minutes before you go to sleep, turn all sounds off if you can and sleep in a little bit of a colder room or turn a fan on. Um, so wake up, wind down at relatively the same time, day and night. And the last one, number seven, work hard at all these things and then everything that you do in life and things will start to change. But if you just give the fuck up, nothing is going to happen. Nothing happens. It's like Newton's laws of motion or Newton. So I said Newton. Newton's laws of motion. An object in motion will stay in motion. That is it. You know, uh, I'm going to share. I, we got to end here in a minute, but I want to share this um, in this book you referenced from Sheldon Cop. You know, if kill the boat. If you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. He used a, a parable, a story of a, of um, uh, of a you know of a figure in Greek mythology called Sisyphus, right? And Sisyphus in Greek mythology was damned for eternity, okay, for whatever he did. I don't know what he did. I can't remember. But uh, he was damned for eternity to roll a heavy stone up a hill, okay? And it, it was a long journey up that hill. And once he got up to the hill and was done and could take a break, it rolled back down again. And he had to go back and then start again and take this long journey up the hill. But when you look at it differently and you reframe it, okay, as uh, Sheldon Kopp did in his book, you know, he said, you know, um, you know, it's the struggle, you know, it's, it's the struggle itself, okay, towards the goal, okay, that fills a man's heart. I remember these words exactly. It's enough to fill a man's heart. It's the struggle to the top. So yes, we may uh, accomplish things and it feels good, but then all of a sudden we feel like we're back at square one again. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I'm back at square one. I was just feeling so good. So, you know, and now I got to start over again. That's fine. It's the struggle that counts and it's the work toward, it's the striving towards that goal that counts the most, not the goal itself. And that's kind of where people, they, they, they don't, they don't, some people don't figure that out. They don't understand that it's the journey. It's the struggle that makes you stronger when you're getting that goal. And it makes it more likely that another goal is going to be right after that one. Okay. It's true. And it's one of the, it's an awesome story, first of all, but it's also not just, um, it's not just telling that the journey is the most important part. It's the fact that as soon as you conquer something in life, another thing is going to come your way. You're going to have to do it again and again and again and again. And I don't know if you knew this, but there's an exercise called a sissy squat, right? It's for the quads, the front muscle of your leg. There's even machines out there for it as well. It's called the sissy squat machine. And they call it a sissy squat because like this. What? It's funny. I don't like that one. Sissy squat. That's what, sissy squat. But they named it sissy squat because syphysis, the guy you're talking about, had giant quads from walking the stone up the mountain. So it's based off of Greek mythology. Isn't that pretty, it's pretty cool? Yeah. And something I left off that parable, the way that he ended it is he said this. Now you have to remember, Sisyphus was damned, okay, to for eternity with this torture of rolling this heavy stone up a hill and then having it roll back down over and over again. And once he explained it was the journey, the struggle to the heights, as I put it, the struggle to the heights was enough to fill a man's heart. He ended with saying, one must imagine Sisyphus happy. So here's, a, here's, here's uh, someone that was damned, okay, in this torture, okay, but if you looked at it differently, one, one must imagine Sisyphus happy. Very interesting, right? It's a very interesting, very interesting plot to that story and a perspective. Um, and it's, it's listen, man, uh, I, I just resonate with that frame of mind so much. You know, I work my ass off. I pride on it. Um, I love it. I love what I do. And one day I won't be here and I'm going to look back and not regret a damn thing because I'd rather be working my ass off towards what I want and what I do than sitting down, wasting my life away. I don't care how bad the struggle is, how what comes my way. It doesn't matter. And I want other people to develop that mindset as well, where you just keep trugging along. You put one foot in front of the other. You wake up, you tie your bootstraps, you walk out the door, you come home, you sleep, you wake up, you do it again. And that's just the way the life is. Sometimes you get to enjoy moments better than others. Sometimes it's more miserable than others. But at the end of the day, it's just wake up, go about your day, go to sleep. 
wake up, go about your day, go to sleep. And if you cannot come to grips with that's what life is, you need to go talk to somebody because it's true, man. It's true. It's yeah, you got to stop smoking so much Mary Juana. Oh, that's you know? not the case, man. We already went over a podcast. You know how many successful people I know who smoke marijuana? It's only if you have that's a That's not problem. what I mean. Only if you have a that's, problem with it. That's not what I mean. It's, even those people, ha- you know, have it in its place. But yeah, sometimes these things, they hold us up and we're not really, we're not really aware of it. Yeah, no. It clouds I, things. I agree 100%. Um, but a big, a big step to getting, um, getting up on your mental health is by attacking your physical health. So if you take seven W's of health and you apply them to your life, you will see drastic change. Um, and just real quick, in the terms of change, I, I go over this chart with every one of my clients who walks in the door because uh, I want them to understand that in the beginning – when you are cha- trying to change your life, people think people think you can't see a graph right now for the people listening on Spotify and iTunes. So I'm not going to do it over Zoom because you can't see it, but I'm going to explain it. Right now in this moment, you are where you are because you do what you do. And you may feel like you're miserable and it's the worst time in your life. And you may feel like you're experiencing the most amount of frustration that you are, but you're not because this is what's comfortable to you. Even though it may feel miserable to you, it's what's comfortable to you. And I want to you don't understand that when you start trying to change your life and you add things in, what's going to happen is you're not going to see positive results right away. You're going to see frustration. You're going to see disappointment. You're going to see a resistance, right? And that happens for a period of time. Could be, and it's for everybody's different. Could be one week for some person. Could be one month for another. It could be two weeks, two months, six weeks, six months, right? The thing is, is there's one day, there's a tipping point when your body and your brain start to adapt to the new way that you're living. And if you allow that to happen, it will change for good. But most people quit because they are not used to the frustration of a new stimulus. They'd rather be miserable in the frustrations of their comfortable but seemingly miserable life. So I urge you to understand that in the beginning, it's not going to be all happy sunshine and rainbows when you try and get healthy because you're not going to want to exercise. Your joints are going to hurt. You're not going to want to eat the healthier meal, but you're going to do it because successful people do what they have to do, whether they feel like it or not. They don't do what they want to do. They do what they have to do, whether they feel like it or not. And they continue to do it until their mind and body adapts and it becomes second nature. That is how you change your life. Becomes your new normal. Becomes your new normal. Um, that's all we got today for the mental health awareness month. But good talk. Good talk. I'm glad we got this message out and I had some things to say. We are going to chat for two minutes on the UFC results from this weekend because it is our favorite sport. Um, if you don't follow, you should follow it. Um, what did you think about Michael Chandler's knockout on Tony Ferguson? I mean, it's just one of those freak things. I think Tony Ferguson's getting older and when you get older, your reflexes are just off a little bit, you know, and, you know, and Mike, Michael Chandler, I mean, he said, he, you know, that was just perfectly placed. I don't think, you know, he just put it out there. I don't think he knew he was going to do that. And I just think, you know, you saw Tony, he was just frozen. He was frozen and uh, he got caught. And so, but that was vicious, you know, that was vicious. And hopefully for him, he's taken a lot of, a lot of damage over his career. And these guys, listen, they have their masks on too. We talked about masks. They have their masks on too. And that's so hard for a professional. Look at Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is like the, the best example of this. Like he just couldn't, couldn't leave. He couldn't leave. Yeah. He couldn't not be Muhammad Ali anymore. You know, I feel bad for these guys. So. And what do you think Hopefully. about, uh, what do you think about Charles Rivera missing weight by half a pound? You know, he was saying that. So I don't know what to think about that. I never heard about this controversy before. You know, this is new, you know, well, so this is a new thing. So, all fights are allowed one pound over the weight limit. So if they're at 155 and you weigh in at 156, that's okay. Unless it's a title fight, you have to weigh in at the exact weight. Um, but what's tricky is he was saying, and he tweeted it the night before saying, I'm on weight, ready to rock and roll. And the problem is, is they measure in kilos because they're not from the States. And so now there's a little discrepancy saying that maybe his scale was off because he reset it to kilograms, so on and so forth. Yeah, but Charles Oliveras had over 30, okay, over 30 mixed martial arts fights. So I, I just don't – he's been cutting weight forever, so I just don't get it. Yeah, no, I, I, what do you, do you think half a pound should determine whether he's champion or not? The rules are the rules. But the rules are different in every state. Listen, man, the rules are the rules. So, you Isn't know, we're all – isn't that crazy though? Because it was it in is crazy. state, 
he wasn't allotted whatever, whatever. So it is crazy. But what it did, though, on, you know, who could have thought this created a lot of drama? Okay, for the title fight that's coming up, uh, you know, and lot there's going to be a lot more pay per views now, yeah, because of the drama. Yeah, no, it's good, good business move. It's good. Oh, it's a great business move, and maybe they planned it. Now that we're saying, no, they didn't plan that stuff. Come on, he didn't. He didn't get his. He didn't get percentage of people do. People do anything for money, man. He lost money. (laughs) Dude lost money. Um. Ah, yeah, I'm excited for the that. I I love that weight division. That's awesome. But um, what do you think about the Rose fight, man? She oh, kind of spaced out. I did. Why was she so fearful of you know? Esparza is really good, but so Trigger. is Rose. Is Rose is yeah. good on the ground too? So she got choked out eight years ago when she was a kid. Like whatever. She's just. I mean, she shy. just. He just didn't took take the fight to her at all. She was just trigger shy, and I think she was trying to play too much of a smart fight. She said it at the end where she was like, "She's been uh, in so many battles. I just couldn't figure she, that out." She didn't show up. Sometimes fighters don't show up. You know, it's, it's fighting in other sports are different because, like, if you don't show up on basketball, you got the team to hold you up. If you don't show up in football, you got yeah, the team to hold someone you. can come in for you. If you don't if you don't got it on fight night. You, you're that's you're fucked. I have to say though, that was the worst fight I've ever watched. Like, I was like, man, this freaking thing is. <laughs> I don't know. You got to go watch Kimbo Slice and Dada Five Thousand or whatever his name. That uh, you know what you know what fight I never did see though I don't think I saw Derek Lewis and the Francis Nagano because they fight, said that that fight was terrible too but it had more action than this one because they had like at least two exchanges there, um, but all right that's all I got. All right I'm out. Um, Good talk. Quick for anybody if you're not up to go and seeing a mental health counselor and you'd rather have something that's a little bit more informal that's what Strong Gents Coaching is all about men helping men get better so you can reach out to us at stronggentscoaching at gmail.com where we help you improve your physical mental and social and career health in this world talk to you next time peace peace